Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I was thinking about just the concept of, of Bethlehem. That's what caught my attention this town, or this time, or little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the lie. And I was just reflecting on the uh, fact that Bethlehem, Bethlehem, means house of bread. Our daughter's called Bethany, which is Beth, house of song. Bethany, house of song. And Bethlehem is house of bread. And bread is very significant in the Bible. If we were doing a Bible study, which we're not, we could look at how uh, it has been used as an illustration over and over again. It's a symbol of blessing, it's a symbol of ministry, and it's a symbol of provision. And uh, if you'd been with us, we, it's great to have all our visitors here. But over the last few weeks, we've been looking at a series called the ABC of Wow. Well, we won't get into that now, but it's basically our take on the gospel uh, based on Isaiah 61, which is in the Old Testament. And in that, we, we've come across an illustration where, where Jesus actually bakes bread for his disciples on the shore. And it's an environment, an opportunity to see a relationship between him and Peter uh, restored because Peter had denied the Lord. And over warm bread and fish, that relationship was healed. Relationships can be healed, you know. They can be healed. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's always comfortable, but I am saying it's possible. In his book, uh, Revelation, The Unveiling of Christ, a man called Brian Simmons tells us that Bethlehem or Bethlehem is actually a homonym. And if you don't know what the word homonym is, don't worry, because I didn't either. But you will be familiar with the concept. A uh, homonym is um, it's like when you've got a word that is the same spelling and the same pronunciation, but it means two different things. So for instance, you've got bark, like bark on a tree and a dog bark, yeah? Or you've got um, box, you know, you've got uh, a box, which is a container or as part of the sport, boxing. You've got stable for being Christmassy, you know, stable uh, means firm, solid, fixed, or it's also a place for animals. So you get the concept. That's a homonym. Well, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, is a homonym for, it also means house of the warrior or house of the fighter. So it means house of bread, but it could also mean, if you take in the homonym, house of the warrior. Jesus came from the house of bread, but also the house of the warrior. I've never really uh, been much of a physical fighter. That would be true. I've always uh, found my way around that. But I did once, I did once have a memorable fight um, when I was in junior school. I was 10 years of age. And there was this guy um, who'd been bullying me. His name was John Lowndes. I don't know. John, if you're listening, I forgive you. The Lord loves you. He's got a plan for your life. But at the time, as a 10-year-old, John was bullying me. And, and I'd like, it's amazing, eh? you always remember the names of those who bullied you. But 
I'd, I wouldn't say tolerated, but I'd like run away from this, you know, for a long time. And then one day after school, yeah, exactly. I had just had enough and something happened to me and I found myself on top of John Downs pummeling him until I was dragged off by a teacher who did not know the backstory to this event. In my, in my little 10-year-old mind, I was expecting the teacher to come and say, no, listen, I get it. You shouldn't do that, but I understand. No, I got into trouble for it. I was, oh, I, I'm, I'm over it, obviously, but I was seen as the aggressor. It was, it was so unfair. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it was one of the greatest um, miscarriages of justice in the 20th century, but I mean, that's open to debate. I don't know, but that's what I... That's what I felt. Um, obviously, I'm not talking about physical fighting, but the reality that Jesus does equip us to fight because whether we like it or not, in life, we so often need to fight. Fight to keep our head above water. Fight to trust. Fight for what's right. Fight to get well, fight to overcome my fears and, and my failures. Fight the fight of faith. There is an account in the Bible of a huge personal fight and God sent bread. And this story is around a man called Elijah in, in First Kings. Now, Unlike the teacher who didn't know the backstory, I'm going to tell you the backstory to the event that I'm just going to read to you because Elijah was the great man of God of the day. What we're not going to read today is how he literally influenced a nation by seeing the power of God fall in such a powerful way. And he dealt with some thoroughly evil uh, people and God used him. I mean, he was literally the pinup boy for everyone who loved God around town. He was the, you know, like people had got posters on their fridge. You know, they, he was on Instagram. He got loads of followers on Facebook. I mean, it was, it was like all over. But, but we meet him, this same guy here, um, just a couple of days later. And the Bible says this. Now, Ahab and told Jezebel, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. And see, something happened in that moment. And, and it doesn't matter how great a woman of God you are, it doesn't matter how great a man of God you are, every one of us, every one of us can find ourselves vulnerable. And actually, we think that we can be most vulnerable in the times of when we're down, when we're depressed, when we're walking through the valley, but sometimes the enemy will really catch us off guard when we're, when we're going strong, when everything's going well, when the, popular rating, the popularity ratings are up, when, when you've got, when the followers are up, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and there, 
sideswiped by the enemy, we read that Elijah was afraid. A couple of days ago, he didn't look like anything could scare him. But he was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I want you to take note of that because there's a world of difference between isolation and solitude. This is not a moment of solitude. This is a moment of isolation. You know, when you're starting to just take yourself off on your own and you're pushing other people away, you're sending other people away, it's saying something about you. And I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. He came, he came to a broom bush and sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. We'll leave it there. I want us to just take note of a couple of things. Could spend long over this. We haven't got time for that. But, but Elijah was afraid. He ran for his life. He isolated himself. He prayed he might die. He said, I've had enough. I've had enough, Lord. And emotionally exhausted, he fell asleep. Elijah, full of anxiety and many of the signs of depression, he was having a crisis, a crisis of mental health. He'd given up, lost hope, lost his fight. And it can happen. It can happen. It can happen to any one of us. Everything was going great. Everything was going fine. And then we get knocked sideways. And we see that, that God intervenes. And I, I, I am so thrilled that in the battles and challenges of life, we've got a God who intervenes. When, when life becomes too much, when it becomes too difficult, when I find myself overwhelmed, when I feel like I just can't take it anymore, we've got a God who steps up and steps in to help us overcome. He doesn't just rub our back and tell us everything's gonna be all right. He equips us to move forward from this moment if we will avail ourselves of that which He makes available. And I don't know, maybe you're here today and behind the smile, behind all the festivities of Christmas, there's something in you that feels, you know what, I feel like I've lost my fight. I feel like I've had enough. I've been battling for such a long time. And even God said to Elijah, he says, the journey's too much for you. Sometimes, sometimes, even when we're doing what we should be doing, the journey gets too much for us. But he provides bread. And actually, that bread must have been some bread because he went on the strength of it for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, that's, I don't know what that recipe is, but 
pretty amazing. Bread supernaturally provided, providing supernatural strength. And I want to say that there is a responsibility. I find it interesting that, you know, God didn't just wave his hand over him. Even in the, even in the presence of an angel, there were some basic things that was required to be done. He had, to, he had some bread, he had some water, and he had to sleep. He had to eat properly, he had to stay hydrated, and he had to get some proper sleep. I just, uh, I want to say, I, I feel again, there's someone in the room who has really been battling the area of sleep. And God, God, God wants to touch you in that you lying, lying awake in the early hours of the morning, tossing and turning. God wants to, to touch you tonight and, and, and see peace brought to your situation so you can find sleep again and find your strength again. But so there was, there's something about proper nutrition. There's something about proper hydration and proper rest. And, and, and there was even a fire there for warmth and morale. But at the same time, there was an angel who had to touch him twice. God, so there's the natural and the spiritual. It's the two working together. The stuff I can do and the stuff that God, only God can do. And I want to I say tonight, I don't know, I don't know. I just felt the Spirit of God say to me that today as I preach this, that there would be somebody who needed a touch from God in this area. You've, you've lost your fight. You've had enough. You're battling and you need God to touch you. And uh, I'm just going to pray. You respond however you want to. If you just want to sit quietly, if you wanted to stand, whatever you wanted to do. But I want to pray a prayer that God, this is not just words, but God will, like the angel touched Elijah, God will touch you. I pray for all those in the room battling with their mental health. Lord, even those who maybe don't want to admit it. Those battling with depression those battling with anxiety, with worry, with fear. I pray the Lord will anoint your head with oil. I pray He will renew your mind. I pray He will ease your troubled heart. May He help you to increase the quality of your thought life and your self-talk so that it will lift you up and not drag you down. When the journey is too much for you, know that there is bread sent from heaven to feed your soul. I pray right now in this moment, whilst there may be some natural things you've got to put in place, I pray that supernaturally, in the same way this angel supernaturally provided bread. I pray that there would be supernatural bread released to you today for your soul. And that you won't maybe even be able to easily articulate, but you'll just know there's something that's shifted, something that's changed. You can't explain it, but you feel better. And you just have to say, it was the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God sends bread to minister. So Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus, the house of bread. See, Jesus wasn't just born into the house of bread. He was 
the bread of life. Jesus said of himself in, in John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. He'll never let you go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Jesus is reminding us that there is a hunger that is greater than our physical hunger. There is a hunger in our soul that is more powerful than physical hunger. And it's a hunger that only Jesus can satisfy. Money can't satisfy that hunger. Fame, power, material possessions. It can't satisfy that hunger. Nothing wrong with that stuff at all unless you are seeking to use it to meet a need that only Jesus can meet. Only Jesus can truly meet that need. He is the bread of life, which represents satisfaction and fulfillment. It represents provision. I believe that my God will meet all my needs, all your needs, according to His glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus. I believe that God will give me the strength to fight all that life throws at me. I know you might feel weak. I know you might feel overwhelmed sometimes. I know you might feel that you are not enough. But you need to understand today that there is a God who loves you and He will give you everything that you need. If you try and deal with it on your own, then you're not gonna experience what God has got for you. But if you turn to Him, if you give yourself to Him, if you entrust yourself to Him, He is the one who will give you the strength. Everything that seeks, threatens to discourage you or take you down, in Jesus' name, we, through and by the Spirit of God, have the power to overcome because His Spirit, His Spirit makes me strong and courageous. It's not just about me working me up into a froth, trying to be something. No, this isn't about me looking to me for my resources. This is about me looking to Him. I can't make it without Him. I can't do it without Him. But with Him, He makes me strong and courageous. Romans 8 says that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He's with me. I'm not 
alone. He is the one who gives me the resources. He gives me the wisdom. He gives me the strategies. He, he, he equips me with what I need to do life. That's why what we believe is so much more than religion. That's why coming to the house of God, it's not ever meant just to be some anesthetic against the pains of life. We come in here, we get our shot that numbs our pain uh, just long enough to get us through the week so we can come back next week and, and, and get another shot. But, but that's not living. That's not living. It's not the life that God has called us to. God has called us to life and life everlasting. He's called us to be the, the, the most wonderful, beautiful version of ourselves. And, and Jesus doesn't just numb the pain. He heals the pain. He gets to the source of the problem. He gets to that issue in your mind, in your heart that needs to be dealt with and He deals with it to enable you to walk free, to be the person that you were born to be. You see, ultimately though, the Christmas story isn't just about bread or, or fighting. And actually it's not even just about Jesus because Jesus came for a reason. The Christmas story relies on a key ingredient. The kings had to have it to launch on their long journey to find and follow the star. The shepherds had to have it in order to leave their flocks and go into Bethlehem and look for a baby. Joseph had to have it when God spoke to him in a dream that Mary had conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mary had to have it as someone who had never slept with another man, but had to say she was pregnant with a child that God had given her. They all had to have it. And the it, is they had to believe. They had to believe. They had to believe. Believe. I'm saying it a few times because it is so simple. So simple and yet so essential and important. John 1 says that the life light was the real thing. Every person Entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice he came to his, the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. So you've got to believe. Those who believed and believed he was who he claimed, they were the ones who were made to be their true selves. To those that believed, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
To believe is to accept as true. To have faith, to cling to, to accept the statement of someone as true. Belief is the key that opens the door. Have any of you ever been locked out? It's a terrible thing. Very, very frustrating. Those situations do not bring out the best in me, I've got to say. Um, Because there you are. It's your house. The stuff inside the house is yours. But you can't access it because there's no key. Without the key, I am locked out of everything that belongs to me. What am I saying? Belief is the key that gives me access to all that Jesus has for me. Otherwise, I'm locked out. I can see the house. I know the stuff behind the door is mine, but I can't access it because I don't have the key. If I don't believe, I cannot access all the good stuff that Jesus has got for me. So how do I believe? You know, it's like one of those big ones, you just have to believe, believe. You just have to believe, believe. That, that's not belief. In truth, I believe because I've decided to. Hey, listen, this is, this is true about Jesus. It's true about everything the Bible makes available to us. I have to believe. And I believe because I've decided to. You say, oh, well, it can't be that simple. But yes, because the feeling of belief follows the decision to believe. So many of us Believe, I've got to feel like I'm believing. And then I'll know I'm believing. But actually, the decision to believe is not in my feelings. It's not in my emotions. It's in my will. It's a decision. When I decide, ultimately, then the feelings will catch up. I make a decision. And then in the course of time, Because belief is a journey. I make a decision and the feelings come. To to misquote, there's there's an account in the Bible where Jesus talks to a woman at the well and she runs into town. Um, You know, she's got a pretty checkered life, this woman. um, She's had many husbands and the guy she's with now is not her husband and Jesus. Jesus calls her out on it and, and, and she runs into town to say, hey, come and meet a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And, and eventually it goes along and it comes to the fact that basically to misquote, they say to her, you know, at first we believed because of what you said, but now we believe not because of what you said, but because we know it for ourselves. But you have to start You start with a decision. Belief is not the absence of doubts. 
it is the overcoming of them. As a man in the Bible said, Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I mean, I know this to be true. I mean, I'm up here talking to you today. Um, but I remember a version of me that was very cynical about God, about Jesus, about church. I was very cynical about Christians because they're weird. I mean, not you lot, mostly. But I was cynical. And, and yet, there were some people that I met that I knew there was something different about them. Something, I don't know, it wasn't in so much what they said, it wasn't in so much in what they did, it was just there was something I knew. And, and that was the thing that made me pursue this. And here I am all these years later on to say that if this was not true, I would not be here. Because I'm just wired in the way that I'd still be out there looking for it. I had my doubts, but through the grace of God, He helps me overcome. We need to believe. Because I can believe that God exists. I can believe that He loves me. But can I believe enough to receive the bread of life? Jesus into my life. You see, the only way the bread was going to minister to Elijah, even though it had been cooked by an angel, baked by an angel, the only way that bread was going to do him any good was if he ate it. If he received it. It was there. It was made by God. It was on offer. But the only way it's gonna do him any good is if he receives the bread. It's exactly the same for you and for I. God has made His treasures available to us. He has made His bread available to us. His name is Jesus, the bread of life born in the house of bread, Bethlehem. He's not a baby in a manger. He's a man who died on a cross, the Son of God. He died on a cross, not to give us religion, but to take away our sin, our mistakes, our failures, the pain, the regrets, everything that life has put on us so that the true us, the real us, the true selves, will emerge. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.